So, oneness in terms of politics. That I know many people have their own opinions and their own ideologies and philosophies when it comes to such topics. So it is important that even as the teaching is going on, uh, you allow yourself to unlearn and relearn. And equally, when you don't have any uh, understanding of a particular topic, you then just down your questions for clarifications. They are very, very key. And uh, do not assume that there is something I have said that you understand. If it needs clarification, make sure you ask the question for clarification. Are we okay? Yeah. All right, so let's move quickly to the book of Genesis 11, verse 6. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. Thank you very much, sir. The book of Genesis chapter 11, verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what God, of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Okay, so the scripture says that they have one language, they have, they have become one people, they have become one. And he said that, and now, you see, he said, and now, nothing they have imagined to do will become impossible unto them. In other words, there was a time where they were not one. So, some things were impossible for them to do. But now that they have become one, there is nothing that they will even imagine or they will even put on paper to do that will become impossible for them to achieve. This scripture is telling us about the, uh, the special or adorable power in unity and in oneness. So, we get to understand that when it comes to Genesis 11 verse 6, the Lord shares with us a unique way of oneness. And with this level of oneness, there is nothing that we put our minds to do in relationship or in any other aspect of our life that we want to do together that will be impossible to us. And because the enemy knows that the Lord wants us to attain a level of oneness in our relationship, and when we are able to attain this level of oneness in a relationship and in marriage, there is nothing that will be impossible for us to do. He attacks our relationships, he attacks our marriages, so that there will be things in our life that will be impossible to us. And when things become impossible to us, we end up blaming God. So the enemy will equally fight the oneness of a couple, or the oneness of a friendship, or the oneness of a family. So that things will be impossible to them. And as things become impossible to them, they will ask themselves, am I not a Christian? Where is the God that I serve? Is my God silent? The main goal with the enemy attacking the believer's marriage or relationship is not necessarily about the believer per se, but it's about what the believer wants to achieve, one, and also about God. Because he wants the believer to turn away from God. And for that matter, he will cause confusion. So the, the devil knows that because if you and I, Pastor Paul, you and I, we have a relationship together. If you and I are one, the Lord says that there is nothing that we even imagine to do that would be impossible. It also means that even when we are even thinking of evil, this scripture works for either good or evil. It is not only for good. It is also for evil. So if you and I plan to do something and we agree to do it and there is oneness and there is understanding of what we are going to do, it is never going to be impossible to us. And because the devil knows that we want to achieve this thing and when we achieve it, we will give glory to God, he will try to fight us. 
So you want to add something? Yes. All right. Thank you very much. So really, when you even go to the dark world, I mean the all cuts and those who kill people for money, rituals and stuff, uh, when they are together, imagine they are collecting, imagine two of more people that are doing something, and they are in one, they are unison, we can be able to achieve, we can achieve it more. Definitely. Because of that unity. That unity. You see, it's a principle that works on earth that works for both the believer and both the unbeliever. Just like the sun shines on both the believer and the unbeliever. These are principles that the Lord has put in place to make it available unto us to be able to make impossible things possible. So even if it is unbeliever, scriptures itself, a kingdom that is divided against itself stand. So he said that he, he, uh, the devil cannot cast out a, a devil in someone because it is a division. So there is oneness. That is why I taught you the other time about demons and spirit. That when a, a malam or a fetish spirit wants to cast out a demon, they don't cast it out. They rather give a demon that is higher to suppress that demon based on ranks. You understand? If they don't cast out demons, it means that if they are casting out demons, there is a division. So if you go to them with headache and you go, the headache will leave, but you will end up seeing that maybe there's an issue with maybe your relationship or an issue with your money, or that there's an issue somewhere. And you end up going to them again. They'll solve that one for you and then they'll give another problem. You see, they give you higher, higher ranks. So what the enemy does is that he fights the relationship to prevent that thing from being attained. The devil is not like God who can be everywhere at every time. But he is one who has people who are under him and he understands delegation and he makes the people who he delegates to understand unity and that is why demons are able to baptize the life of Christians the way they do because even demons understand unity they understand organization they understand planning before a demon comes into your life to distort your life before a demon will attack you and I our relationship they have sat down and they have planned what they will do they have planned a counter attack that is why when you are going through a problem and you are praying, the more you are praying, the more the problem aggravates. And it's not like, why? The prayer praying is not answering. No, the demons have already planned. They know that when you do this one, they will do this one. Do you understand it? Yes, so anytime you are praying and it looks as though your problems are getting more intense and they are not changing, it's not because they are not changing. It's because there is a plan somewhere and you must be able to work on that plan. So if the devil wants to stop what we want to attain, he will fight the relationship we have. So you begin to create offenses either from my side or your side. And you see, when offense is created, the way the rate at which you will open up your heart to do things for me will not be that rate. The rate at which I will equally open my heart to do things for you will not be at that same rate. In that, so it will limit the possibilities of that which we want to attain. So for instance, you you are in a relationship or you are married and it's your guy's birthday, it's your lady's birthday. And for instance, you have, you've planned something to do for them. And before their birthday, maybe two weeks or one week to their birthday, you guys fight. The things you plan to do for that person, you realize that you don't want to open up your heart to do those things anymore. You see? So, <laughs> so even if you will do it because it is birthday, you have to do something. You will do it, but not to that level you are already planned. So initially, if you don't have money, you will find a way to get money to do what you have already planned. But when there is an issue, you will put your foot on the fact that you don't have money. You become reluctant because you think you don't have money. But the issue is not about the money, the issue is about the problem you are having. So the, 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 the enemy knows that, so he brings up offenses to make things impossible to you. If you had done that thing for your guy, if you had done that thing for your lady, you would have had a level of love growth 
in a relationship, but he prefers that level of growth in the love by you giving. So that your guy doesn't even appreciate what you gave. Your lady doesn't appreciate what you gave them as a birthday gift. Why? Because they are already offended. You understand? So when the enemy knows all these things, he begins to work on us. And you also must be conscious of the plans of the enemy. But when I pass it, he's passing it. You must be wise enough to know that I must be conscious of the attack of the enemy on the oneness of my relationship. Because if my spouse and I are one, nothing will be impossible for us to do. If the church, I am ministry, if we are one, there is nothing that we will say that we want to do that we cannot do. But you see, if we want to do something and then this person says this, this person says that, it creates a division. And then it makes what we want to do impossible to us. Not because the thing is impossible, but it is because of the offenses, it is called a division that creates that impossibility. But when there is unity in the relationship, even in the church, there is nothing we will say we will do that we cannot do. Are you with me? So he says that, you see, iron supplements iron. So even if one is low in faith, even if you don't have faith, or I do not have faith, because you have faith, I can look at your faith and begin to have faith. Because there is oneness. It's a principle. So I am my supping iron. If I'm going somewhere with you or you are going somewhere with me and I am weak, the fact that you are strong, your, your strength motivates me to become stronger. Do you understand? Are you here? That is why you can't even be in a relationship and when one is down, you equally be down with the person. When one is down, you must encourage that other party. You, even if you are down and you have to cry, don't be down and cry in front of your partner. Cry somewhere else and come back and come and encourage them. Are you here with me? Because if you cry in front of them and you make them see how discouraged you two are, the enemy have access into you. And then he's able to distort things in your life. When your spouse is complaining about how things are difficult in life, when your spouse is complaining about finance, complaining about how things are going, you as the other party must not complain. You must encourage them. Tell someone, encourage them. You may not see the future, you may not see how things may be. But it is your duty to encourage. It is your duty to encourage. But after you are done, you can you, you are liberty to go back and work cry. But don't do it in front of them. That is the thing. It is very, very key. And that is why in this dispensation, we have to be very key on who we listen to and what we listen to. Who we listen to and what we listen to. Because hearing precedes seeing. They will confess John chapter 1 and verse 1 for their saying verse read. First John 1 verse 1. First John chapter 1 verse 1. We are writing about the word of life. The word of life. Remember, the word of life. There is only the word of death. But this is the word of life. Goes on. In whom who existed from the beginning. Who we have heard. So number one, who we have heard. We have first heard it. And as we heard it, what? Whom we have seen. Who we have seen. With our own eyes. And then our hands began to handle that which we had seen. Whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. Okay, so now we hear now, we hear, we see, and we touch. These are the things. When you begin to hear things about relationship, our marriage, you will begin to see them, you begin to gaze upon them. And as you gaze upon them, you will begin to handle those things, you begin to experience those things. So for instance, in the world, if the enemy is succeeding to make everybody believe that breakfast will reach everybody, everyone in relationship will breakfast. 
So break fast. Now we all know that you are using to break your fast or you are using to eat early in the morning. They have turned it into a relationship breakfast. And now everyone feels happy to post breakfast. In normally or unconsciously, they are beginning to accept the fact that relationships are not supposed to take long. And if the devil succeeds in making you hear breakfast, he then registers in your mind and then you begin to see that even in your own relationship, it doesn't stay long. It begins to break fast. You are beginning to see. Even if you don't see it, you begin to see other people's relationship beginning to break fast. You will see celebrities' relationship break fast. You will see your friends' relationship break fast. And then eventually you will see your own. And as you begin to see your own, what happens is that you begin to experience that greatness. You begin to have that greatness for yourself. Why? Because you are hearing stories of people's relationship breaking and you are getting scared within you. You are beginning to believe, hey, is marriage going to be okay? This is how marriage is. You look at people and you're like, hey, my bishop said, hey, Indian boy is saying, hey, that me Hey, this pastor, hey, that me You see, you are beginning to have doubt in relationship, you are beginning to doubt marriage. If these people who are teaching us are having it wrong, what about me? And when the enemy makes succeed in making you hear these things about men of God, make you hear these things about celebrities, make you hear these things about people who are even endowed financially and they are breaking their marriage or relationship, you question yourself, hey, what about my home? The two by four money we have. Yes, they these people have money and yet they are having divorce. So that we begin to question our own. And as we question, we begin to see it. We begin to now see problems. Today fight, tomorrow another fight, another fight. And we begin to experience this breakness. And eventually someone will say that I don't I don't want to do this anymore. And then it breaks. Something that had a vision, something that had a plan, something that you had already planned things down. Suddenly, things begin to crumble because of what someone has heard somewhere. If the enemy equally succeeds in making us believe that all men are the same, all men are cheats, what happens is that even when your husband or your guy is not cheating, you want to see something that they are cheating. You feel insecure. And when you go to that point, you don't find anything, you think you feel they've deleted it. Why? Because in your mind, you've, you've been allowed to register in your mind that all men are cheap. Because what? You have it. And because you have it, you believe it and now you have to see it. With our, with our ears, we have heard. And as we have heard first, our eyes we will see. And as our eyes see, we will begin to experience it. We will touch it. So, if you begin to believe in this thing that the enemy wants you to believe in, you will see it. As you see it, you will experience it in your own relationship. So when you begin to see or hear people talk about all men are like this, you are in a booba. The booba driver says this. You are in a, in a you are in a taxi and the radio is playing and they are saying they're talking about this. Oh, there you wait. Oh, there you wait. You are hearing all these things. As you hear them, you begin to see. Hey, is my phone doing something? Hey, where are they? When you call them, I'm here. Hey, are you sure? Let's do your call. You know, the video call is not because you miss them, but you want to see where they are. You want to prove that if they are there, as they are saying. Why? Sometimes it's because of what we have heard. When you are in a company of people talking about their spouse, you are hearing stories of people's spouse and how their spouse are cheating, their girls are cheating, their boys are cheating. You go like, oh, you did, yeah. You understand? And as you begin to suspect too much like that, because you have believed, 
you begin to experience it in your own relationship. And it's not because your guy is like that, it's not because your lady is like that, but it is because of what you have heard and what you allowed yourself to believe. You see, faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. So we hear. And then he goes ahead to tell that faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. So because we have heard by faith, the evidence of what is not there will begin to see what is not there as it is. So a message which doesn't, which doesn't mean like this way, you begin to think that it means this way. You will see that your guy has said a message, hello dear. At first it won't mean anything, but because in your mind it has registered that all men achieve, you begin to say, why are you calling this one dear? Why are you calling this one dear? Why are you saying I miss you? Why? Why is he not calling you too much? <laughs> but you see, in that moment it might not mean that way. In that moment, it might not mean that person or that spouse is cheated. But because you are pressing it on them, they begin to think like that about the person. And it will end them out in cheating. Sometimes it is the way we react to these situations that make people cheat. Not because they are cheap or they want to cheat. I said, everyone can be influenced to cheat, to cheat but not everyone will cheat. Everyone, even females, not only males. Come on, some males, what do you get? Then my backup's plenty past myself. Yeah, so let's not only think that it's only the guys that will do it. A man of God, before we proceed, I would like to sing the song for you all. But let me play the keyboard because I'm singing for you. Okay. I just I just need that to demonstrate something for you. You know, you are you are excited. Because you know I cannot play one. <laughs> but you want to see. <laughs> you want to see what I can play for. You should learn how to play a keyboard in. Now, it doesn't have a good voice. Because you've heard me sing so many times, it doesn't go well. <laughs> but you want to you want to see if today it will really go well or there's something that will be done, some magic that will be done somewhere. You see, you laughed. Because you know I cannot play a keyboard and I don't have a good voice. But it's the same way when demons look at you. And you are going to marry. They laugh at you. Why do they laugh? It's because they know you are going somewhere that you are not prepared for. And then they will have access to the place and destroy it. The tendency that I will play the keyboard and not play a good sound is high. Because I don't know how to play a keyboard. I have not rehearsed my voice. So I will make a lot of mistakes. Are you here? So in your marriage, when you are not trained for marriage, when you are not, you are not steady for marriage. When you enter there, you will come out quick. Are you here? All some ladies know is to cook is their choice. Ladies choice, cook, wash, and perhaps procreation. That is all they understand. Some people even think they understand what love is. And so when they are having this three months of marriage counseling, they don't take it seriously because they think it's a formality. And that is why the Lord wants me to teach you these things because as we are going forward, you need to be trained for marriage. You need to be trained in your relationship. Else, because you are not trained well, you will have some things done wrongly. And it's not because the person is not meant for you, but it's because you are not trained yourself well. Are we here? Many of the relationships that broke us up or we broke out of were not supposed to necessarily break. But it broke because we were not trained. And today you may look back at some things and go like, hey, 
Did I really get angry at these things? Did I really break up because of these things? Would I have worked it out? Was it really necessary? Because your level of wisdom then is not the level of wisdom you have now. Wisdom grows, wisdom increases. So what if you had learned then? What if you were better then? You see, don't wait till you enter into marriage and divorce happens and you begin to regret. Why can't you train yourself now? So that demons will not have the ability to laugh at you. It may be God leading you to the altar, taking you to your man. He said that we have been surrounded by so many clouds of witnesses. When we are doing something, we are not the only ones seeing what we are doing. There are clouds of witnesses seeing what we are doing. Are they excited about what we are doing or they are laughing at what we are doing? So you all here were clouds of witnesses to me playing keyboard and me singing a song to you. But what you did was to laugh at me because I do not know how to play a keyboard. In your relationship, who is laughing at you? Who is excited you are in a relationship? Who is excited that you are about to marry? Who is excited that you are planning something? And who is laughing at you? Who? Who? So you, may, you must begin to ask yourself, have I trained myself enough about love? Have I studied enough about marriage? Do I have enough? You see, there are some of the things about marriage that you cannot learn until you are in action. But it is good to have full knowledge about these things before you begin to have the action in there. If not, one day I was telling someone, I said, I can be the worst person you have ever dated. And I can be the best person you've ever dated. I can be the best husband to you, and I can be the worst husband to you, depending on the level of information you have about marriage. Some people may not be bad people, but the level of wisdom you carry may not be in sync with the level of wisdom they carry. So some things they may do, you may not understand. And as a result of that, you may have issues with those things every time. So it is important that you sit your woman down and teach your woman. And as a woman also, it is important that you sit your man down and teach him. Don't see someone's marriage or relationship and compare it to your own. See how this person is buying gifts for this person. Not only on their birthday. And they are posting. You, you don't do any of that thing for me. There are some men who will never say sorry to you when they are angry or when they know they have wronged you. But you know what they will do? When you are there, they will come close to you. They will want to have a conversation with you. They will want to put their hand around you. But they will never so say sorry. Those actions they are making are actions of sorry. But you see, when you are not trained to know, you will think that they never say sorry. But they said sorry without opening their mouth. But you see, it is, it is up to you to be able to study the love language of everyone. There are some people who will be excited when you go to America. They may be excited about flowers. Ghana. Buy <laughs> flower. Even if the flower is $5,000, they will not value it. Now, $5,000, say, you need to buy this and this. Why do you buy flower? About everything on this one. But, but someone in Europe will be excited. Whoa! 
fresh ones, nice smell. <laughs> and they'll go and get a pot and water. Ghana, don't throw it away. You know, if you go and throw it away, they'll make you know in front of you that what you have done, uh, they, they're not excited about it. Are you here?
she should understand me here. No, let me work that way. If you don't teach me, how will I understand you? You can't even know your spouse, everything about your spouse in a day. Even in the marriage I said last week, you will keep knowing your spouse with time. Because people evolve. Humans, you yourself, you will keep evolving. You will keep surprising yourself. Not only you surprise yourself. That's the point. So it is very key for us to be trained before we enter into any form of relationship. Many people are only excited to enter relationship without being trained. And as they are excited about planning, they are excited in going inside, they will end up coming outside with sorrow. And see, one of the funny things people do is that they see people's relationship on social media and they wish it was this. One, one lady uh, on her status, she constantly her boyfriend's birthday and she spent about $5k above to buy iPhone 13 Pro, uh, Pro Max or something for the, the guy. They, they, they got married this year. So she, she bought it. The guy was talking, thinking about buying the um, iPhone 11 too. The wife and himself, but the wife surprised him on the birthday, and the wife posted it in the bedroom and the husband surprised him with that. Okay. Now the lady then posted voice notes from her friends. Hey, you're making me feel like marrying. Let me go and tell my guys how you're married. And the girls were excited. Hey, me too. You have to be my counselor. Teach me how to surprise you. Okay. So because of someone's marriage and what they have seen, the lady has that money to buy for the, the guy. If you go and buy that 13 for your, your guy, you will eat. You understand? You will eat. So don't look at someone's when they compare what if you have to buy iPhone. Don't look at someone's relationship and also say, if you want to rush yourself and go and marry. They are making marriage sweet, so let me also go and marry. Hey, is the guy, you your guy, are you the girl? The level that they've got into, have your relationship got to that level? So don't look at someone's marriage or someone's relationship and force yourself into a relationship. Maybe all your friends are dating. When they're all going somewhere, they go with their guys. You realize they are petty. So they are forced to date. Find some for me and find you alone. Post me. Single and searching. Every day they should post you. They should link you every day. God forgive you. <laughs> the book of Genesis 3 24. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall become united and cleave to his wife, and they Brother, shall become one flesh. Let's take it slowly for them to understand this point. Yes, Therefore, a man shall leave his father. Okay. And a, for the first step, for a man, not men, but a man. Right. Let's take note of the singular words in here. For a man shall leave his father mm -hmm. and his mother, uh -huh. and shall become united. Shall become united, or shall become one, mm -hmm. and cleave, and cleave to his wife, to his wife, and to his what? To his what? Wife. To his what? Wife. Is it to his wives? To his what? Wife. Singular, not wives. Not wives, but to his wife. And they will become one flesh. This is the point. 
according to God and according to scripture, which we our life are supposed to walk by, God doesn't condone polygamy. Polygamy is simply a man getting married to more than one wife. He says from the beginning, a man is supposed to leave the father and the mother and be one with his wife. Not his wife's, but his wife. So, let me make this statement clear here. Once you got your question down, God doesn't acknowledge second wives. I will go further. I know, I know some of you have some things in the families and all that. I will, I will go further. I will explain. <laughs> it's not there. God doesn't acknowledge second wives. Because if a second wife comes inside, if a third wife comes inside, it doesn't make them one. It makes them two or three. A man will leave the father and mother and be one with his wife. His wife. So, it is the first wife that is considered as his wife, not the second wife. It is men that will say second or third or fourth wife, but God doesn't see that person as a wife. I'll keep further. Then again, if a man has a child with you, and he, you are the first woman that a man has a child with you, that he not marry you, you are still not one. You are not just a baby mama. You are not his wife. So therefore, you have not become one. So if the man doesn't marry you as a baby mama, and he goes to marry someone else, he becomes one with that wife, not you. According to scripture, not, of, not opinions, not feelings. This is beyond sex. So even if a man has sex with you separately and goes to marry someone else, you are still not one with him. You only share some level of covenant, but you are still not one with him. He is one with God. Are you here? <laughs> okay. So let's go to the book of Deuteronomy 32 verse 30. I will explain why uh, the second wife is not considered as the wife by God. I will explain this. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 32. Before you go there, because I'm hearing some people even thinking about divorce. So what if I'm married someone that's divorced, and I marry someone that's got a can see the house as a wife? Okay. Let's not make it simple here. So the man can have a first wife and perhaps divorce the first wife. After divorcing the first wife, they are no more one. Because divorce has taken place. They are no more one. And it's acknowledged by God. Then he goes ahead to go and marry someone else. Because there is a divorce, the Lord doesn't equally see them as husband and wife anymore. So then God will begin to see the second one as one. So for instance, okay, for, let me, for instance, me right now, if I'm married to Minister Angela, and then we have a divorce, though we were one at first, now we've had a divorce, so now she's not my other half. And when I go ahead to marry Minister Sandra, she now becomes one with me. So then, though she might be the second wife at this time, because the first one there is a divorce, the second one becomes my wife. But if we don't have a, if I don't have a divorce with Mr. Angela, Mr. Sandra can never be my second wife acknowledged by God. I am only one with Miss Angela. So before you come to one another person, you need to divorce the first one. You need to divorce the first one. And even, even the divorce must be according to the divorce of God. If the divorce is not by, based on the 
principles of God, God doesn't acknowledge as divorce, and you go out and he will see you as an adultery, an adulterer. So even the divorce must be done according to why God says you should divorce. Would you go there? I'll teach you on that based on the story of Abraham and Sarah. So I will explain much more. I know some of you have a lot of questions with this. But did you know 32? Verse 30. So it has become a normal thing for her now that you will have a divorce. Whereas some people will not have, it's normal that they have divorced. So they want to kill themselves in the marriage. So they will marriage anyone. And yes, he said, we will say my divorce. As to others, too, it is cool. It's normal. So to her, it is for her to even be bored to tell you that this is my person that I have my wedding. You understand that they have a shallow understanding about marriage. It's not about age. Forget it's not about age. Not every elderly person can give you a godly advice. Sorry to say, some, some elderly people, <laughs> let me use words. <laughs> it's well. Sometimes, if you go to some elderly people for some advice in terms of relationship and marriage, they will destroy what you have. But there are some others that will only speak to you and you will live there so fulfilled, thankful that you went to them. But there's some others. You know, once you are there, you will regret that you went to the scripture. Okay. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse How could one have chased a thousand? How can one chase a thousand? And put and two put ten thousand and two ten thousand of light. Except they are rock hard. So except what? They are rock. Except what? They are rock. Okay. Is solid. Except that their rock is solid. Now the rock there is capital R. We're talking about Jesus, the rock of ages. So if one or two, one putting away a thousand and two putting away, putting away ten thousand, for them to be able to do this, except their rock is solid. And the Lord being their God. If the rock is solid, in other words, the rock that keeps the relationship or the marriage is not your money, but the rock of ages. And that rock that is keeping you together to be able to do the impossible and put it thousand away or ten thousand away must be the rock of ages. If not, even though you may be one to some extent, at certain point in time, the oneness will break away because the rock is not solid. Are we here? So the rock must be solid to be able to have the oneness. Matthew 18, 19. The book of Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I tell you, if two 
of you on earth agree. If two of you agree, that is oneness, agree, unity. You harmonize together. Harmonize. You accept a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything. About anything, everything, good or bad. They may ask, it shall come to pass. Alright, it will come to pass according to your words. So right now, if there is an issue, you can call your wife and say, let us pray. This is the issue. Let us pray. According to this scripture, Matthew 18, 19, let us pray. And God will answer is based on marriage and our oneness. But if there is an issue, if you are praying, your wife is still praying. Uh, it will take some time. Learn how to come together with your spouse and pray together. Learn how to come together with your husband or with your wife and pray together. Fast together. It may be a relationship. Still come together. Tell someone come together. Come together. It works more faster than you say that, oh, we are fasting and you pray at your place to our pray. When it's 12 o'clock, our pray. When it's not going to pray. No. 12 o'clock, call each other. 12 o'clock, meet each other. Pray fast together. One should be ending at 3 and one should be ending at 6. If it is 12, 12, 12. If it is 3, all of you 3. If it is 6, all of you 6. That is the oneness. And that is what brings the answers sweetly. But then, when there is no oneness in terms of polygamy, a lot of things are being destroyed and there are a lot of consequences. You see, the first person to have brought polygamy or to have practiced polygamy was a godless man. For someone to be godless, it means that the person has withdrawn himself from the presence of God or God has withdrawn from his dependent the person. Are you here? For a person to be called godless, it means that God has withdrawn from the person or the person has withdrawn from God. And when we read the book of Genesis, we realize that Cain had killed Abel. And as Abel died, Cain took himself away from the presence of God. And as he took himself away from the presence of God, he then gave birth to children. And his great-grandchild was named Lamech. I think Genesis 4, 16 to 19. The book of Genesis chapter 4, verse 16 to 19. So Cain went away from the presence of God. So Cain became, became, became godless by going away from the presence of the Lord. Right? So there are some times where you can be in church and yet God has gone away from you. You may become godless by the way you think, by what your heart craves for, without even knowing. And yet you begin praise and worship. And yet you can even receive a prophecy. King went away from the presence of God and he became godless. And as he became godless, what happened, man of God? And brought in the land of Noah, wandering east of Eden, and Cain's wife, one of Adam's offspring, became pregnant and bore Enoch. And Cain built a city and named it after his son, Enoch. Verse 18. So Enoch was born Ari, and Ari was the father of what? Jesus. And the father of Methuselah. 
and Methuselah the father of Malek. And Malek took two wives, and the name of one of them, and the name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Okay, so now he took what two wives from Genesis from the time of creation. The only person that took two wives was Lamech. Was Lamech. He took two wives. But scripture says he took for himself two wives. You see, I said the other time last week Sunday that it was God that gave Eve to Adam. Adam did not take Eve for himself or create Eve for himself, but it was God that gave Eve to Adam. But when he got to the tent of Lamech, he took for himself. That statement there is about the selfishness of the lust of man. He had a wife, and then he took for himself another. He took for him for himself. It's not God driven. It's not God driven. It was for himself. It was selfish. For him, he wanted to satisfy his lust for himself. So the descendant of Cain became godless. And as they became godless, the enemy had influence to their heart and began to make their heart harden against the principles of God. And they began to flaunt the principles of God, just as the men did. A man and a wife. Even your great grandfather did Adam and Eve. But you alone, when you came, you said you don't want Adam and Eve. You want Adam and Eve and Adam. <laughs> so he took for himself two wives, just like some of you are doing. You don't want Kojo and Kwame. You want Kofi in addition. You are adding. You are having backups. God is against backups. Tell someone, God is against backups. God is against backups. Tell them again, God is against backups. God is against backups. When God made Eve for Adam, God did not make Adam for Adam again. He did not make a backup for Adam. He made Eve for Adam. You see, one of the philosophies of the people who um, want to marry more than two women or a lady who wants to marry more than two men will say that, oh, oh, but if I have money, I can marry more because I can take care of them, I can take care of my kids. Are you here? Most of the rich people will tell you I can marry more than one. I can take care of them. Okay. But the point here is that the license to marriage is not by the abundance of the things you have. You see, the standard of marriage is not by the abundance of things you have. But your marriage is because of a need you have. The reason why God allows you to marry is because of a need you have. So then when the Lord saw Adam, he said that Adam is in need and it's not good for the man to be alone. Then I will make him a helper. But before Eve was made for Adam, Adam was in the garden. Adam was dusted. Adam had a lot of possessions. All the gods and the minerals on the land of Eden was for Adam. Adam even named the animals in the garden. All these things belonged to him. Adam had a zoo, a personal zoo. Do you know how rich Adam was? And God did not make Eve for Adam because of the possessions of Adam, but because of the need of Adam. Adam had a personal zoo. He had a personal, uh, how do I say, oh, animal research center. He, he, he had a, a, an agricultural center for himself. And yet, that was, that was not the reason why God made him for Adam. 
The reason why God made Eve for Adam was because of oneness, that he was alone, he was lonely, and that he needs a helper. The reason why God will make a woman for you is because you need a helper, not because you have possessions. So if you stand on the base of the things you have, and that is the reason why you want to have two wives, you are going against the principles of God. If you are going to marry because you have money and you think you are of age now, you want to marry, you are going to end up in a divorce. The reason why you should think that it is time for you to marry is not because you have money. Money should be the least reason why you think you should marry. And that is why most of the times when God wants to really bless marriages and want to really do things for people who are really dating, who they are the will of God for each other, God makes them struggle financially in some extent. So that the security of their relationship, the security of their marriage will not be based on the money they have or the abundance of their possessions, but their security in their marriage will be based on God. Because Ezekiel thought that because of the security he had of the abundance of things he had, he can just play around and do things. But then at the last minute, he lost it. He lost the presence of God. He lost and God withdrew himself from him. You can have money. But the reason why you marry shouldn't be because you have money. The reason why you go propose to another lady is not because you have money. It is because you have found your helper. Are we okay? Alright. Let's move further. There are some people equally who did not lose the presence of God or they were not godless, yet they were polygamous. Some people like Abraham, as you all know, like David like Jacob, like Solomon, all these people were polygamous. Even David, God says he is the apple of my eyes. So he was not godless, yet he was polygamous. So what would, how would you describe that? But every godless man will become polygamous. So David, what about him? Let me explain to you. Now let's get deeper into the two wives, the three wives, and why God doesn't acknowledge the second wife. <laughs> all right, the book of Genesis chapter 16. Genesis 16. Genesis. The verse 3 and the verse 5. Genesis chapter 16. Verse 3. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar. So Sarah is Abraham's wife. Let's establish that. Sarah is Abraham's wife. And Hagar, who is Sarah's maid, was given to Abraham by Hagar. But was given to Abraham by Sarah, sorry. Alright, move on. Her Egyptian maid. After Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan uh-huh. and gave birth to her husband, Abraham. So it was it was Sarah that gave Hagar to Abraham. And Abraham had the right to say no, but he took it. Okay. To be the second view. That's fine. Second view, not primary. Second view. Not primary wife, but second view wife. Okay. That's fine. Oh God. So it means that when you are excited, you are second. You are not primary. And God doesn't acknowledge side chicks. God doesn't acknowledge side chicks. And that is why I said last week, when you are a side chick, you are fighting God himself. Because you are fighting marriage which God has put together. Don't be a side chick. Don't be a side guy. Tell someone, don't be a side guy. 
and don't be a side chick. You are fighting against God. And you will never win. Okay. So, man of God, go on. But the verse 5, Sarah says something. Verse 5. Then Sarah said to Abraham, Make their responsibility for my wrong. Now, listen carefully. Listen carefully. After Sarah had given Hagar to Abraham as second wife or second real wife, what, hey, what Sarah now gave, after she had gone through everything, the best four and all that, she went through something, she realized what she did was wrong. It was wrong for her to have given another woman to her husband as second wife. So she said, it is wrong. And she said, let the responsibilities of my wrong and the consequences of my mistakes come upon you, Abraham. Now, maybe, maybe, and I'll do a send them away. She said, I was mistaken. And who's the son of the How? And that was the But you see, Sarah was conscious of the mistake of polygamy. And she knows that every polygamy has a price it will pay and has its consequences. And Sarah said, Because of this, I am making a proclamation that whatever be the mistakes, let it come upon the head of the house. And not me, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must be conscious of some things. See, see, so Sarah made us aware that polygamy is wrong. Can we establish that? But even though it was wrong, she did it. And she said that polygamy also has consequences. And that one should come upon Abraham, not her. Not the wise wife. <laughs> and we will see the consequences. The fact that God is silent about your mistakes. The fact that God is silent about the things you've done in secret. The fact that God hasn't revealed your secrets to people doesn't mean that God doesn't know. And it doesn't mean that God will not make you suffer for the consequences. Even if God doesn't make you suffer for the consequences of forgiveness, the principles of the earth will fight you. The fact that God has said nothing about it doesn't make it right. Are you here? The fact that you are doing things in secret that God is not saying anything about doesn't mean that it is right. The fact that Abraham had two wives doesn't mean that it is right. The fact that Bishop being a man of God and he seems to be like a standard spiritually for you and Bishop goes to marry two women doesn't mean it is right. Doesn't mean you should follow those footsteps. The fact that maybe Bishop will go and take side check doesn't mean it is right for you to go and take side check. Are you here? So the fact that Abraham did this mistake doesn't make it wrong. Then people will go and say, ah, but if it is wrong, why did Abraham do it? God did not kill Abraham. God did not say anything about Abraham. Do you know what Abraham suffered? Do you know what we are suffering from what Abraham did with Hebai? I will explain. God doesn't acknowledge second wives. After Hagar was given to Abraham for marriage, I'm saying again, the fact that what Abraham did, God did not really speak about it, doesn't mean that it was right. The fact that God was silent about it, doesn't automatically make it right. Because he has already set the tone from the onset, Adam and Eve. He has already set it from the onset. Okay. When Hagar was given to Abraham as a, as a wife, 
and she had born a son called Ishmael. The Lord said, Genesis chapter 16, the verse 11 to the verse 12. But you let me just part this for them. What happened was that God appeared to Abraham and Sarah and said, Abraham, you shall be the father of many nations. And then appeared to Sarah, and you shall be the mother of many nations. And never said anything to Hagar. But Hagar was in the marriage. God doesn't acknowledge second wives. Hear it from me. Let it stick in your scalp. Never, never even, uh, how do I say it? Never even think of being a second or a third wife. But even though God doesn't acknowledge a second wife, it doesn't mean God doesn't love the woman as his creation. There are two different things. God will still bless this second wife as his creation, but not as a second wife. So second wives can be blessed, but not as a wife, but as God's creation. If God really acknowledges second wives, then God should have made Hagar also the mother of many nations. But when he was blessing them, he blessed Abraham, he blessed Sarah, he blessed Ishmael, and he blessed Isaac, and he let Hagar out. But listen to what he even told Hagar. When, 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 when Sarah knew that what she did was wrong, and she began to maltreat Hagar, Alright, and Hagar ran away with a with a pregnancy. She ran away from um, from Sarah and Abraham, and she went into the wilderness. An angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar and told Hagar, "I will bless your offspring. Return and go and submit." Ah, she's not including the covenant. She's not including the blessing. She was left out. It can't be one. It can't be Abraham, Sarah, and. Hagar and one flesh. No, it is Abraham and Sarah, one flesh. What Abraham did is adultery. He can be forgiven. <laughs> but you will not stay as one flesh. You may be in the same house, but you are still not one flesh. You understand this? But God will bless you, Hagar, not because you are a wife, but because you are a person. He created you. And he can't make you eat stones. So he will bless you. But he will not bless you as a wife. Unless Sarah divorces Abraham, then Hagar can be a wife. But until then, you are not a wife, according to God. But according to man, they will give you a second wife, third wife. But God will not acknowledge you. So some religion will tell you that they, they, they believe that you can do more than you do. It's based on what Abraham also did. But those arguments are quite flawed. Because from the onset, it is Adam and Eve. We are going further. Tell someone we are going further. We are going further. Oh, it's like some psychics are here. Say we are going further. We are going further. Okay. Let's move further. Now, what surprised me when I was reading the scripture or studying is that ah, you God, you know that Sarah was more treating Hagar because Hagar is pregnant and she Sarah is not pregnant. And now she Hagar left the house, and as she left the house, you appeared to her by an angel telling her to go to Sarah and go and submit to Sarah. Hey, how? So I am maltreating you. You have left me and God gave you something to come to me. And come and submit to me. Let me maltreat you. Do you understand this? If God tells you to come back and maltreat you, you <laughs> But God told Hagar to come back and come and be maltreated and submit to the one who was maltreating her. Because in that submission is where the blessing is. 
So she shouldn't be concerned about the process, but she should be concerned about the price. You will be more treated, but fine, be there. Be there. So long as you will give birth to Ishmael, be there. Because it is out of Ishmael your name will also be added. But if you leave, you are leaving the source of the government. So go back. Tell someone, go back. It is key. It is key. Some of you, when you are angry, you must go back. Don't be a liar. You are angry and you leave the house. Go back. Tell someone, go back. Me, me, if I'm angry, I do this and I don't want to stay in front of you. Hey, master, go back. <laughs> You're angry and you go and block. Hey, I'm blocked. That's about I'm blocked. They must go back. This is an issue. See, you must be conscious. So, so any small thing you block. Any small thing, if you need me, call me. I'm offline. And also, you know that you're off by your mother, you're with your phone. It's relationship problems. Oh, wow. This is not based on opinions. This is not based on feelings. This is not trying to hurt emotions of people, but to teach you the truth. So that as you are growing, you have the right mind in marriage. And when you are desiring to have a second wife, you will know this is not the will of God and it has consequences regardless of the money you have. And you shouldn't indulge in that. When things become tough in a way and people are not seeming to do the right things, don't even think of being a side chick. Don't even think of being a second wife. One day I was talking to someone who I mentor and there was someone in the line with a guy and I said, what I'm seeing what I am seeing, it is only when you decide to be a second wife that is fine. Must be sure. When you crowd come, I said, so do you want to be a second wife? Must be sure. I love him. I've seen him in my dreams several times, so I think he's the right person. If that is the, if that is the thing, then so be it. You know me. The two salami casa I have to be careful. But okay, let's see how it goes. Some things were unfolded and unfolded. I won't go deeper. But you see, sometimes there are a level of desperation that makes people not to think very well. That they, all they want is, let me just marry. Like, I'm not going to They will say, you're very Mr. So she doesn't care about being a second wife. She has seen the dream. She loves this guy. So she doesn't care if she wants to be a second wife. She doesn't care about the consequences and the troubles she's going to face in that marriage. As a second wife, all she's thinking about is love. But she doesn't know that relationship is different from marriage. And that's the thing we used to say. So don't make decisions out of desperations. Never. As a guy, if by mistake you impregnate someone that you are not in love with, don't be forced to marry the person because of pregnancy. You will not enjoy marriage. Let more family. I said if by mistake. I didn't say go and do it. <laughs> I said, as a guy, if by mistake, 
you impregnate someone's daughter that you're not in love with, don't marry the person. Unless you have established an aspect of love. If you are a woman and you get pregnant for a man that you know you are not married for, you are not in love with, don't marry the person. When God got Mary pregnant, Mary married Joseph, not God. Because Mary was in love with Joseph. Are you here? I thought you might be anything. So, some people also think because they have a child with someone, they cannot marry someone else. Where is Mary? You understand? <laughs> So don't let that lady teacher teach now. I have to marry my baby mom, my baby daddy. No. Or my baby mama teach now. No. Could we still marry? You understand? God was playing his role as the father of Jesus. But he never came in between Joseph and Mary. So you too, if maybe you become a baby daddy, don't come in between your baby mama's marriage. Because of you don't want her to marry. How? God allowed Joseph and Mary to marry. But he took responsibility for the life of Jesus. And he still said, Joseph, this one will call you father. And he didn't say stepfather, father. Some of you like step too much. Huh? You like step, step too much. You are creating too much division. Everything is there. When we go to say, okay, oh, our brother or my sister might be there or my stepsister. You want to go to your sister's sister? I'm just going to say, yes. Yes, you know. Now, sometimes just say, my family, my sister, let me just end there. You don't have to explain to me. Let's see, this is all, these are all part of the question. But when you know it's the step, hey, still, they go, oh, something is going fishy somewhere. But something they may be doing in the house. But now God steps now and say it's impossible. God doesn't acknowledge the second wife, but he will still bless the woman as a woman, not as a wife. So Genesis 16, 11 to 12. Let's read for the one for it. Want to look at the blessing now God gave to the son of Hagar. Genesis chapter 16. And the angel of the Lord continued, See now, you are with a child, yes. and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael. So it was God himself that gave the name Ishmael, not Abraham, not Sarah. It was God that gave the name Ishmael to Hagar. God hears. For God, Hagar simply means God hears. It also means the last thing. Ishmael, sorry, means uh, God hears. It means the last thing in Ewek. You were in so Ishmael means God hears. So why did God say he hears? God hears because he has heard the prayers of Hagar. So God will not stop hearing Hagar because he is a second wife and he has knowledge. But he will hear Hagar because Hagar is God's creation. Hagar is still God's child. So Hagar prayed to God and God heard and gave Hey guys, a child, I said, this one is Ishmael. God hears. 
God hears. When people see Ishmael, people will see that God really hears. So when you are talking about Muslims, talk about them more because God also hears them. If God doesn't hear them, they will not be praying five times a day. Who, who will be a fool up for this long? Look at the time of Ishmael. Ishmael from him, the lineage we get Islamic. Who will be like that foolish from that time to this time? Come on. God answers Muslims and God answers Christians. He is the God of Ishmael and He is the God of Isaac. So there may be other people that will be doing some things behind the scene with the moon and with the star. The same way we have pastors and Christians who do other things behind the scene. But it doesn't make it fake. I've taught you about true religion. The message on true religion. When you go, you get it. But the God of Ishmael is the God of Isaac. When people see Muslims, they must see that God hears. That is why we see that money is with Muslims. God hears. Are you here? When we see Muslims, we will say he's the God of prosperity. God gave you to them. You can't fight. If you fight them, you are in trouble. You are fighting God. So I don't understand why some people are fighting from religions. Are you here? Just because we want to prove that Christianity is the best, we want to downplay other religions. Yes, Christianity may be the best. Yes, fine. But that's the we should look down on others. But you see, I want you to understand the blessing God gave to each one here. The wolf, the blessing of Isaac. So we will see what really is a blessing. Come on, God, go on. The name Ishmael, God hears, because the Lord has heard and paid attention to your affliction. So what the Muslims equally do is that even though they may not be praying like this six hours, two hours, and all that, when they step outside after doing some five, ten minutes prayer, and they step outside, there are people stationed on the roadside who they have to give arms to. That arms they are giving is also a form of prayer. And when they do that, they know God has heard. They don't care if that person has money or the person is poor or the person is faking. What they care about is the heart. But you see, because Christians are not blessed in this way to understand this thing, when a Christian wants to give someone on the roadside, they will say, well, more, another profession, another business, I'm more here. It's me, man. And this is, this is, you see? You see, you see, the, the, the mind of the Muslim and the mind of the Christian. So that God begins to hear them even much more than earth because now they believe in the principles of giving and receiving than earth. Because we don't find ourselves in that form of blessing. One of God, move on. Let's go. So this means that when you see people, you can even give them money. But just pray about it. And stop thinking negative, negative. Uh-huh. Let's go. And he is blown. So God is blessing Ishmael and God is about to bless Isaac. But listen to the blessing of Ishmael. Ishmael will be what? A wild ass among men. The sons will be. Is this a blessing? I'm blessing you for you to be wild. To be a wild animal among men. God gave blessing to Ishmael. And everyone that comes out of Ishmael will be wild. As an animal among men. So when we see the Muslims, are they not wild? Or are they not wild? They are wild. They are rowdy. It is a blessing God gave them. And I tell you that they are wrong. Oh, yes, they are. What? Aha. And they all have some, no matter 
a Muslim wears, they have that thing in their DNA. When you mess up, to come out right now. It's a blessing God has given every one of them. So even if they are not strong, they're intimidating. It's a blessing. It is a blessing. There are some people who, in quote, their level of ugliness is a blessing from God. Yes. So the level of loudness they have within them is Polygamy doesn't come. We will not necessarily have Ishmael. 
And perhaps you may not even have the Muslims. Perhaps. Because they are the lineage of Ishmael. Okay. Now, let's move ahead. Genesis um, 17. Genesis chapter 17. We are reading our last two scriptures. We can answer questions, please. Verse 19 to 21. But God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. Okay. Indeed. And you shall call his name Isaac. So this is the blessing of Isaac. Who we'll compare it with the blessing of Ishmael? Laughter. And I will establish my covenant. So we hear what laughter. You see, the Muslims don't usually do praise and worship. When they are when they're praying, they do that. Unless in wedding, and wedding, some of them come and dance and do something. But we, we've been giving laughter. We have been giving laughter. That's what we, we do praise, we do praises. That's why you find more Christians even in the clubs than uh, a Muslim in the club. That is why you even find more Christians doing music than more Muslims doing music. Check all the music, the, the, the musicians all over the world. Look at the number, the number of them are Muslims and the number of them that are Christians. Check because of this blessing also. So the Muslims have their blessings and the Christians have their blessings. Muslims do sing. I don't say Muslims don't say they sing. But look at talking about the blessing here, which makes the Christians equally top in this chart. Okay, who are with him to an everlasting covenant and with prosperity after him. Verse 20. And as for Ishmael, I will I have heard and hindered him. Behold, I will bless him. And will make him fruitful. Make him what? Fruitful. Fruitful. Not only childbirth. Do Muslims give birth a lot? And but also financially. And will multiply him. And will multiply him exceedingly. Exceedingly. So we see if the Muslims enter somewhere, they are increasing. It is part of the blessing God has given them. But this says you have to know how much you want to give birth to. Two, three. Actually, three. Two, three. Only some will say six, five, ten. But Muslims. We pray when now we may one of the blessings. Okay. But Isaac, my covenant shall be with you. He will be the father of twelve princes. And I will make him a great nation. That's what Yeah, a great nation for each one. So let's look at the Arab nations. How great they have been. How many can't fight um um Dubai or United Arab Nation, you can't fight Turkey, you can't fight Egypt, you can't fight a lot of countries. If you, so that you can't fight many of them. The Lord Himself has made them one a great nation. It is God. You and you want to ask a lot of questions. They are common it, it is not necessarily whatever they are doing. It is God. It's the blessing of God. It is the blessing. He will make them a great nation. Okay. Now let's hear the blessing of Isaac again. But my covenant. But my captain said, he has already blessed Ishmael and done everything with Ishmael. But he said that, but with Isaac, the Christian, my covenant and my promise shall be with him. My promise and my promise. I will establish with Isaac. Why would he establish his covenant and his blessing and his promise with, with Ishmael? Why is he establishing it with Isaac rather? Because Isaac is not from the polygamous, he's not from the aspect of the second one, but he's from the first wife. So, but if the first 
lifestyle doesn't understand it, his blessings and if the promise God has made to him, he will lose it and the other one will become more dominant. Do you get it? Do you get it? Okay, move on. Whom Sarah will bear to you? Whom Sarah will bear to you? At this season, yes, my life. With Isaac, my covenant and my promise of pledge shall be with him. But with Ishmael, I will bless him. I will multiply him and make him fruitful and make him a great nation. So then, if you want to know how the Lord has blessed you more, go ask for his covenant and ask for his pledge and promises towards you and walk in the covenant. You can never fail. Unless you know that covenant. When you don't know that covenant, you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to receive more. But when you know the covenant that God has with Isaac and with Abraham, you're going to think. God had to bless Ishmael because Ishmael is from Isaac and he made a covenant with Isaac. So he can't, it's from Abraham. So he made a covenant with, uh, with Abraham. So he can't say that he will not bless Ishmael, who is from Abraham. If he doesn't bless Ishmael, then he's going against his covenant with Abraham. So he needed to bless Ishmael, but not Hagar. But in the process of blessing Hagar, in the process of blessing Ishmael, Hagar is being blessed. God doesn't acknowledge his second wife. God even went ahead to tell the, uh, the kings of Israel not to marry multiple wives. Deuteronomy 17 verse 17. God told the kings of Israel not to marry multiple wives, not to be polygamous. But King Solomon did not hear. The book of Kings, 1 Kings 11, uh, verse 3 and 4. Scripture says Solomon had seven wives, 700 wives, and 300 concubines, secondary wives. And as he had them, those of Noah ranks, as he had them, Scripture says, in his own age, his wife took his heart away from the Lord. They turned him away from the Lord. This was the reason why God said, Don't be polygamous. As Solomon did not hear, he went in. And Scripture says, the wife turned his heart away from God. He became godless at the latter end of his life. David equally became a murderer because of polygamy. Jacob also had issues with his marriage and all that. He took Leah, um, Rahel, and equally took their main servant, two of them. And then we realized that there was an issue with insects, uh, insects and rape and all, all sorts of things in the marriage. The Lord doesn't explicitly state in the Bible that polygamy is wrong. But he makes us aware that but this and this and that. These are my principles. These are my principles. When you read the book of Matthew 19, the verse 2 to the verse 8, Jesus said, it, the verse 8 said, in the beginning it was not ordained to be so, but because of the happiness of your heart, Moses permitted it. So sometimes God permits some things because of the happiness of the heart of men. He gives it to you, but you face its consequences. But just in the beginning, it was not ordained to be so. In the beginning, it was a man and a woman, one to one. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So anytime you begin to think polygamous, you begin to think about cheating, you know that your heart is beginning to be hardened. Your heart is beginning to be hardened, and you are being influenced, and you have to check whether you are being godless or not. Because that is what brings that influence in your heart. Hallelujah. Because of time, we must here and we will continue. Yes. Any other questions, please? All right, Mr. Rahel.
Thank you.